0: Presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN.
1: Guys, my week has gone from bad to worse. The injuries adding up, of course, for K State. ESPN is running a Twitter ad that features the 61-yard field goal. And I've now seen that pop up four or five times. Don't need it. Don't want it. Don't need it. Blocked. What is that? And now, and now, today it got uh, bad. Mm. It got bad today. Because today at Dallas Cowboys practice, this is this is hard to even say. At Dallas Cowboys practice today, torn ACL for Trayvon Diggs. Oh, I, I, I oh my god! I know. Yeah, you
0: were dude, ju- you were just being cruel,
2: dude. That that
0: you're just being cruel. I thought there. you were
2: gonna say dude. Uh huh. That see okay. the way you oh, played oh, it see? up, man. Okay.
1: If it was Deuce, I'm not here. No. Yeah, the show is. I'm calling in sick. Yeah, the show's over. You two, you do your own thing. AJ, you guys do your own thing. uh uh-uh. I'm staying home. Probably not going to call the game tomorrow for Manhattan <laughs> High.
0: Lines are shuttered. I'm, you know, everything's I'm just closed down. Questionable. Dark
1: room. For PA Saturday against UCF.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, how are they going to get you to come in for
1: that? Mm-mm. And be reminded? So what we don't know about Trayvon Diggs is how severe the ACL injury is. We don't know how long he's out. doesn't necessarily mean he's out for the season or anything. Right. We just got to you get this MRI done. We'll see how bad it is. Yeah, we'll see. Maybe it's like a real slight thing, and he can play. He can still play. We'll see. But um, Modern medicine
2: these days. I mean, come on.
1: Deron Blaine, you better be ready to go, bud. <laughs> uh, we're talking about the number one defense in America. Uh-huh. Uh, and we've now lost, well, you know, year ago two years ago he's probably he he is Trayvon Diggs is the best defensive player on the Dallas Cowboys dare I say the world mm. uh but I think Micah Parsons has has taken <laughs> that uh, has surpassed that well well in Diggs had those 11 interceptions in 2021 he had three last year but was still a pro bowl or was still right th- like the man yeah and now Bringing in Stephon Gilmore, you think okay, now you got the best pair, you got the best cornerback pair in America, and you lose the best player, so mm. that that's a major wound. And I, I know Dallas's schedule right now is is not exactly the toughest. They're going to play in Arizona on Sunday, and then they have a game against the New England Patriots. Uh, they still the the Cowboys should start four and O. Yeah, but. We, we knew. I mean, we all knew. This was no secret. When Deuce Vaughn was drafted, the Dallas Cowboys were very serious Super Bowl contenders. Mm-hmm. Like, it is Super Bowl or bust at that point. Right Now it's like, well, we've hit a major speed bump. Now Bland has to not be a Bland corner. He has to perform. <laughs> Sorry, slot guy slash nickel guy. Now you move to the big boy yep. position. Step up. Protect that boundary. Or, well, you know. Protect the outside wide receiver, I and should say.
2: They're going to come after him. They are going to come after him. But he's so lucky in the Dallas Cowboys defense, and team is lucky that they got a guy in number eleven. That's like he's always got the star on Mario. Like he's <laughs> always on fire, and he is a real problem for people. He, he was nearly unblockable this past Sunday. It was insane. He he mowed people down.
1: Crazy, and I'm sure if you know Deuce, you know played a little uh, you know defense in college, and was you know like a foot taller. He oh, could oh. just take over that spot for Trayvon Diggs until he comes back. You, you know? can't yeah. do that. Got to put your best player on the field. Well, here's the good news, guys. At least your defensive coordinator didn't get potentially raided by the FBI. That's true. You know what? You bring up a it good could point. Be, could be what? worse. It could be what a story. Ooh. Could be way nastier. Ooh. And AJ, you're a you're Bears. Are you from Chicago? Chicago area diehard Bears fan for 22 years. It yesterday uh, was probably the most eventful day in their history, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> What's it like as a Chicago fan not growing up with Michael Jordan? It sucks. It actually sucks. Uh, my dad always is telling me stories, and it was cool they put out the Last Dance documentary because that getting to watch that and getting to relive what they went through in the nineties was pretty awesome. If you if you're somebody your age and you didn't grow up with Michael Jordan, but you grew up in like a sports family, I mean, is it is it custom, is it tradition to teach your kids Michael Jordan? Oh, of course. Also Walter Payton. Ooh. Sweetness. Cubs or White Sox. Cubs. Oh uh, yeah, you're, you're you come from a rich family, right? You're probably a Cubs guy. <laughs> His dad's a lawyer!
2: <laughs>
1: my dad's actually a Cardinals fan, funny enough. Uh-oh. Have you ever watched the show Shameless? I've seen parts of it, yeah. It takes place in the south side of Chicago? Yeah. From what you've seen, is it accurate? Yes, kind okay. of. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> One of my favorite shows of all time. Shout out to William H. Macy. Welcome to the game, guys. Mitch Fortner alongside Troy Coverdale, David G., and AJ Shawriding are bored board today. Uh, Troy only joining us for the first hour because, if you haven't heard, volleyball playing at home tonight against TCU, opening up Big 12 play at 630. So he's going to bounce at 5 o'clock. But you do have an opportunity tonight to go watch the Volleycats in action at Morgan Family Arena. Um, and also, uh, K-State soccer is playing at Oklahoma tonight. Ooh-wee. So we got, But they're on the road. They're on the road in Norman. That's going to be a really tough matchup. Mm-hmm. And, my God, when I called those games, I used to call the games five years. Uh, it was just the most back-and-forth games that <laughs> K-State soccer had. That, that was the opponent where it was just a dogfight mm. throughout. So I don't expect anything less. It's always right a fist on. fight between those two programs. Uh, gosh, who was it? Oh, so the last time I called a game in Norman, Baker Mayfield just shows up. Whoa! And he's sitting like four rows below me. I'm like, but also the tight end that he had. Uh, Calcaterra or something like that uh, was the last name. Had a uh, sister on K State's team, so no way came out and watched the Cats. Very nice. That also happened to be the day after Baker Mayfield and the Sooners won in Manhattan. Oh, it was the next day. Oh, oh. The, like, so it was also kind of like up yours, Baker. For you know, I was sure, because
2: like, it was like sixty-seven to two. I mean, that was no.
1: Crazy. Actually, I think it came down. I think oh, it was, was a closer the, game, the close one. Okay, yeah. okay, that was. Um, I think, so like the Sooners had like a 40-yard touchdown with 30 seconds to go to put That's the game away. That's the one. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and also we had a uh, a tornado on the ground like a half mile from the hotel. It was a crazy evening. Damn, dude. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Norman, Oklahoma.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, speaking of injuries, let's put Trayvon Diggs to the side and let's talk cats because Colin Klein. Offensive coordinator for the Cats spoke to the media earlier today. I want to play you a clip that has a couple of questions in there. It's a little over a minute long. Coach Kleiman, or Cl- uh, Klein rather, was asked right out of the gate about status of Will Howard, update on the QBs, Avery Johnson, you know.
3: Yeah, I, know. I figured I was going to dive into that. So, no, it's uh, uh, it's been a good week. You know, Will's gotten better every day. I think it's going to be – uh, you know, obviously if he can go and, and gets cleared and healthy, then obviously he'll go. But uh, it's, it's been day-to-day and he'll, he'll probably continue that way. And uh, Avery and Jake have both had a good week and, and Avery would be the one to go, obviously, if, if Will's not able to. So so with Will, is it kind of one big body soreness or what's the situation? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it was soft tissue, which is positive, you know. But uh, And, it's like I said, he's made good progress, but uh, day-to-day deal. Any fear to having to play a true freshman in this
1: situation if it comes to that? Uh,
3: you know, I, I think it's obviously not something I've, I've necessarily, necessarily experienced. Um, but uh, uh, again, it, my confidence is, is in the preparation and, and how those uh, how Avery's worked and. Uh, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't put him out there if he wasn't ready. And and uh, obviously, it's not just about one guy too. It's about everybody stepping up and 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 playing well uh, around whoever's back there to to make it go.
1: Once again, that's KCN offensive coordinator, Ring of Honor inductee, Colin Klein. Uh, earlier today at the Veneer Football Complex, so we've now heard questionable. We've heard now day to day. You know, I think it's pretty fair to assume that if Will Howard were to miss some time, it's going to be one game and. I think I said this earlier this week, this bye week after Saturday's perfect timing. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. it is absolutely necessary to have it. Now, maybe they even feel better if it was this week to have the bye week. But after UCF, they're going to get the week off to to heal some bodies. And they're going to really need it. And it's not just Will Howard. It's Keegan Johnson. It's, you know, uh, Treshawn Ward. You know, everybody else that's feeling a bit banged up after a hard-fought game. Unfortunately, a loss against Mizzou. Yeah, they need to get healthier. That, the, the timing is right. The, the, the timing is now to heal some guys up. Now, Kleiman said yesterday on his coach's show that, you know, he still needs to see something from Will Howard and that he didn't practice early in the week but started to do something on Tuesday. And, and I'm sure he's had more on his plate as he continues to rehab his injury and try to get prepared for Saturday. But it's not guaranteed. But he also said that we're not going to put Will Howard you know, in a bad spot. They're not going to put him in harm's way. That was kind of my fear. First of all, I need Will Howard to be absolutely truthful mm-hmm. to his coaching staff, to the trainers. And if it's not right, don't go. Because it's going to be one game. <laughs> Let Avery Johnson have the reins. For this one game. Plus, you know, I also had this thought. I was like, I might bring this up on PowerCat game day. The thought is, if Avery Johnson's the guy, how many times do you have Avery run the football? Mm. There's a lot to consider here. Mm-hmm. There's a ton. Because Trayshawn Ward is doubtful, although there's been some whispers that, you know, maybe he might get out there and play. I just don't know what the injury is. So, not sure about Trayshawn Ward. So you have D.J. Giddens, and behind him... You know, a bunch of guys have never carried the rock for K-State other than Frius, and he's had two carries Mm. in his career. You know, you have a major drop-off after D.J. Giddens. But also, Avery Johnson, after him, Jake Rubley, but Avery has passed Jake Rubley. Passed him without even touching a football in a live game. He did it in preseason camp.
0: I, I, there's part of me that wanted to say without breaking a sweat, but we know different.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I mean, with camp.
1: Oh yeah. He earned it. Oh yeah. Yeah, And and we know Avery is electric. He's, he might be the best athlete on the team and he's a true freshman. Not only can he run it though, he can sling it. And I I was still impressed with his running, even though he didn't get the ball a whole lot of times, he was really good. But you also, now you got to, you got to seriously protect Avery. You gotta limit his he can't go out there and run it 20 times. He can't go out there and Colin Klein. He doesn't have the same body type. Colin Klein was a big guy that could take punishment. Avery Johnson's not as big as Colin Klein. He's a tall kid. He's a lot skinnier than Colin Klein. He's not as muscular as Colin Klein. So he cannot take what Colin used to take. And Colin would take punishment every week. Man. I mean, I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. Colin Klein, back in the day when he took his shoulder pads off, how tough that was because I'm sure he was hurting.
2: There were times he'd be laying on the ground, and they'd go to, like, pick him up, and he would wave people off. Like, just let me lay here for a second. You know, he really – I mean, uh, how tall is Avery Johnson? Do you know, like 6'2", 6'3"? I mean – Colin Klein when you stand next to him he's massive. I mean, he's, he's a
1: large person. He's a lot skinnier now. I, I oh, for sure, yeah, for he, sure. Well,
2: uh, but when he when he was in school that guy was a load and yeah, you don't 62. You don't want Avery Johnson to come near the the no. the usage that Colin Klein, You don't have to. You don't have to. There are capable athletes around him and
1: we can get the ball to those people, Avery Johnson not only six two, he's one eighty seven. Yeah, yeah, one eighty seven. That's a yeah. skinny kid. It's a little. I mean, not little honestly, that's not much heavier than Deuce Vaughn. Yeah,
0: in a lot of ways, that's where you want to be able to try and get him, not necessarily to the edge, but definitely not utilizing running between center and guard, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the way that K State utilized that with Colin Klein as the quarterback
1: well and you're going to step, definitely stretch out what he did against mizzou and, it, and if he is the starting quarterback we don't have will howard and it's been said this week Avery johnson's going to have the opportunity to do everything mm-hmm. they are not going to give him anything less than what will howard has and so he's he's going to have a lot of responsibility on his shoulders but this is a very mature and smart kid oh yeah i honestly like i don't have a ton of worries that he could handle this opportunity but will howard's still the guy Will Howard is still the veteran who is now top 10 in multiple stats, multiple you know records for K-State, and uh, he's going to continue to climb. But if you miss him for one game, it's not the end of the world. And Avery Johnson, I think, is fully capable of leading K-State to a victory, even with all these limited snaps he's had, because he's that good. We know he's that good. Mm-hmm. We're very lucky to have him. But, it, again, if Will is not able to run properly – they're not going to put him in harm's way. And I think that's a very important thing. It's got to be a very emergency situation that Will Howard were to play if he's not able to move properly on his feet. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't like the idea of him out there but not being able to fully be able to scramble and, and move out of the pocket and get out of harm's way. I, if he can't be mobile, he's not going to get himself out of harm's way, and he could get hurt. It could be a lot worse.
0: It could be as well as if if he's favoring whatever, if he's really locked into being, quote-unquote, a pocket passer, well, that's just an invitation for guys to tee off defensively Mm -hmm. because at that point, you're just a sitting duck. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, and we know real quick, we know that the offensive line last week struggled Mm -hmm. with stopping... The, the rush of, of Mizzou. Mm-hmm. And they got fooled on some stunts. And Will Howard was lucky that he didn't get smeared a couple of times.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we know how K-State's offensive line struggled also to get the ball going on the run. You know, get the ball moving, get push the defensive line of Mizzou down the field. So, you know, and I'm sure UCF will probably show some aggression towards that. Yeah, They're going to attack. Yep doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They're going to get after the QB. I,
0: I still can't believe we're sitting here talking about the offensive line having had troubles.
1: Yeah. It's weird because that was going to be – that's that's supposed to be the strength. That's supposed yeah. to be top ten in the nation yeah. line. But, again, let's – and I said this was it yesterday. Let's try to hold off on the criticism of the offensive line. Let's see what happens Saturday with now Christian Duffy back in right. the lineup where – Now you're going to see much more Cooper Beebe at left guard where he should be. Guys are going to be where they should be on the line. Mm -hmm. Christian Duffy's not going to play the full game. Carver Willis actually is going to still start the game, but we're going to see Christian maybe play 30 snaps. That would be a great number if he could get to 30 snaps because, like Coach Kleiman said, he's not in football shape. The way you get into football shape is playing football. The way you get into basketball shape is playing basketball. He's got to play football. He's got to play some real-life snaps to get back in the shape, shake off the cobwebs, and dust off the rust. That's all it's going to take. Um, but I still think the big test is the secondary. UCF has, at times, a, a blazing fast offense. Now, the numbers right now probably inflated because of the, it's been kind of a soft schedule right now for UCF. They, they have not played anybody that's truly going to be good this year. I mean, Boise State, I think, was picked to finish. I think they're picked to win the Mountain West, but the Mountain West is pretty down this year. At least it seems that way. But we get our preview of UCF when we come back. We're going to talk with the play-by-play voice once again of UCF and Mark Daniels. He's going to tell us about the offense and defense. Plus, they got a kicker that may have as strong of a leg as Harrison Mivas of Missouri. That's a key as well. So Mark Daniels joins us on the game next. <laughs> Big shout out to uh drum tang. He will be the honorary, I don't know what they call it, but it's the guy that bangs the drum at Arrowhead before the game. Yeah. He's gonna get to do that. The uh, the official drum banger. Dude, that's
2: awesome. Drum Tang. He's like I mean, the most famous guy in Manhattan. Easy. You
1: He's, think so? Easy. Yeah. No doubt. Bill Self did it last year. That was uh that was late in the year. I think it was a Raiders game. So, yeah, then they lose that game. Well, that's the thing. It's like, well, did the Chiefs lose to the Raiders last year?
2: I can't remember. I just wanted to say that.
1: Well, what my thought was is that, okay, you lost game one to the Lions. You need to get the dub, you, yeah. need, you need to beat this NFC team. So, and you beat the Bears, which is not going to be an issue, of <laughs> course, but. Um, <laughs> might as well bring in a reinforcement just in case. That's Jerome Tang. You know, the, sure. the the coach that went deeper in the NCAA tournament than the other one. You know yeah. I mean?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. get him in there, get him in there too in the locker room, give a speech. Oh, my God. Ooh.
1: That's going to pop the boys. Yeah. The boys are
2: going to pop. You're going to get a hundy. That's what's going to happen.
1: I mean, who would you rather have, Travis Kelsey's girlfriend mm. or Jerome Tang, come talk in <laughs> the locker room before the game?
2: I think you know, and I know the answer to that, and it's one of those like where it's like kind of embarrassing to admit, and it's kind of like, <laughs> oh, but drum tank <laughs> all day every day. Come on, man, who's this girl now? Nah, T Swift. T Swift.
1: Drum tank. Tw- drum tank. I think uh, what was uh, it was Kelsey on here? I think he was on McAfee, and he kind of he basically confirmed it. Mm. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, you know, sure. Shoot my shot, and uh ball was in her court, and uh, she swished it. She swished, yeah. You know who probably taught her?
2: Jerome Tang. He probably was like, here's the deal. How's Man,
1: it? way to bring a full circle. Holy Good shit. He's a,
2: he's a basketball I, coach.
1: Yeah. Made, made perfect sense. He sat on the yeah.
2: co- she sat down on the couch and said, how do I bag me a Kelsey? And he goes, here, I'll tell you. I'll tell you exactly how you do it.
0: Wait just, until they damn. pass out drunk on the – oh, wait, that was his brother. Never mind.
1: <laughs> I taught this to Marquise Noel. Yeah. Uh, let's get to our UCF preview. Once again, uh, we are joined by the play-by-play voice of the UCF Knights in Mark Daniels. Game kicks off at 7 o'clock. Bill Snyder Family Stadium between 2-1 and Cats, 3-0 and UCF. Mark, I really appreciate your time. I think it's appropriate to lead off by talking... Injuries. K-State getting some rough news on Tuesday. Daniel Green, linebacker, is going to be out for the rest of the year. Quarterback Will Howard questionable for tonight. Treshawn Wood at running back is doubtful for tonight. But for UCF 3-0 and through the non-con season, how healthy is UCF heading into tonight?
4: Well, UCF might argue that they've been banged up uh, uh, as much. Obviously, losing quarterback John Rice Plumley is a significant blow because a lot of what UCF wants to do centers around him. Uh, we'll talk about Timmy McLean a little bit, but you lose Plumley, and, and, and he's such a big uh, playmaker. Their last football game, although a, a comfortable win over Villanova, a few guys dinged up that left the football game that either didn't come back or didn't play as much. That may have been just to be safe. Uh, so they've got some guys that also didn't play Ricky Barber, defensive tackle, the Jordan Master, a nickelback. They did not play in the Villanova game. UCF hopes and expects to get them back. In this game against Kansas, they've had a couple of guys, a couple of uh, of reserve running backs uh, that left the game uh, dinged up a little bit. Uh, They've gone through practice a couple of days. It's one of those you anticipate them playing, but you see how the week uh, Progresses per UCF. So they're dealing with some of the same bumps and bruises a quarter
1: through the season. Well, John Rice Plumlee did get her on that last drive, the game-winning field goal drive against Boise State. And in comes Timmy McClain. He transfers in from USF. And uh, numbers looked really good. 321 passing and a couple of scores. Also ran the ball nine times. What were your first impressions of Timmy McClain as a starter?
4: Well, it's interesting. It was Timmy's first start since he started against UCF a couple of years ago playing for South Florida. Uh, Timmy uh, is a high school legend. Uh, He he won 40 games as a high school quarterback, uh, took his high school team to a state championship at the highest 8A level in Florida. So for him, you know, you knew it was going to be a night full of nerves and excitement. And I thought early in the football game, he looked a little bit nervous that first quarter and then settled down a little bit. Uh, I thought got more comfortable. I thought the play calling really kind of helped him. Missed on a couple of passes that I think he knows he can't miss once start conference play. Like anybody, I think he'll be better from game one uh, to game two. Now, that game two is a road uh, start in a conference game in Manhattan. So clearly it's a different test than what he had in the comforts of home. But UCF did not change its playbook. They didn't you know, simplify things. I mean, Timmy worked on... Uh, you know, being prepared for a moment like this. And I think UCF knows they've got some weapons to help him. So I thought he played really well and uh, now the challenge is can he perform on the road. And lead that
1: offense. I tell you what, offensively, Pugh, I mean, the numbers that UCF has put up, and, you know, tempo's obviously a big part of that, but right now, first in the country, averaging 617 per game in, in total yardage, 317 through the air. So it's also been not only big yardage, but very balanced, you know, at those skill positions at running back and, uh, you know, wide receiver, of course, with, you know, 300 on the ground. That's compliments of the offensive line. But right now, how deep have you seen those two position groups?
4: Well, I think UCF is. Is deep. I think even Gus his coordinator, Darren Hinch, would say, look, they played a couple of opponents that they were able to put up big numbers. And I think, uh, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to match those numbers as you move in to conference play. So, so, so that number, you know, likely is going to come down in the course of the next nine football games. But I think UCF feels like they've got a talented running back room. RJ Harvey's a great story. He's a, a former high school quarterback in Orlando, went to Virginia, transferred to UCF. Switched to running back was set to be the starter a couple of years ago and and, and blew out his knee in camp. Has uh, come back to earn the spot. He's a, he's not a tall running back. He's barely five nine, but uh, you know about two hundred pounds and uh, physical tough back. Johnny Richardson is a speedster, a guy that in high school averaged eleven yards a carry. And then yeah, UCF brings in Jordan McDonald, kind of in a wildcat situation as we call it. Wild night, 60, 220 running back that's got you know a, a few touchdowns so. There's some depth there. DeMarcus Coleman, the former five-star uh, a running back that uh, was a high school star that played at Clemson in Florida. So there's some depth there. The wide receivers, UCF feels really good. Top two wide receivers, Javon Baker's an Alabama transfer that I think will play at the next level. Kobe Hudson played for Dustin Auburn. Really big jump for him from last year where he was still trying to fit his way into uh, a UCF. But now settled Day said two really good football games. 130-plus, 140-plus yards, um, and then some other wide receivers that uh, I think helps UCF. The key is UCF's line, and here's the interesting thing. They actually moved uh, some people around in that line during the third football game, trying to find the right five to play. Um, they've used uh, a few different people at center. Uh, they moved some people that did play in the first two games. So it'll be interesting to see what five starts uh, in this football game. I think you feels like They've got eight guys that can play, but what's the right five or the right positions? Um, It'll be interesting. So, So I think they like their offense, but I think they'd like a little bit more consistency on that line. So the numbers are good. I still think they feel like they've got to answer some questions up
1: front. Yeah, very similar storyline to K-State's offensive line. Had been missing right tackle Christian Duffy through the first three games due to injury, yep. so they're moving guys around. But he's back this week, so maybe some more. Maybe K-State's line will now be back to normal, although Duffy will be on a pitch count uh, for today's game against UCF. Now back to the tempo, Mark. UCF averaging through three games, 89 plays a game. That's a ton of plays. So has that tempo been just trying to fire off plays? as fast as UCF can?
4: It, it, it's not. I mean, w- when you hear the number of plays, it kind of has you thinking, you know, maybe with Chip Kelly's offense was at Oregon and then, you know, with Scott Fall ran right, a little bit UCF. But, but the reality here is they're not going nonstop. They'll take advantage of down-distance tempo situations. They feel like, look, we've got a defense on the ropes. We don't want to sub. Um, let's go fast and, and uh, you know, try to take advantage of that. Uh, but there are going to be moments that UCF is going to kind of assess where are we at, what's the defensive uh, formation going to be. But one thing that I do think has changed a bit, you know, Gus has called the play for the last couple of years. Now allowing Darren Hinshaw, a former UCF quarterback, to do that, they do want a little bit more tempo where Gus, I think, wanted to take a look where the defense was setting up and call the play. So it gets in a little bit quicker now. But they're not nonstop snapping as quick as possible. There are moments that they will try to do that. Uh, But it's not, hey, we got to get this off as quick as possible, unless they feel like they've got a defense to take advantage of some mismatches uh, there. It's just they've been able to have, in two of their three games, their way to do it if they wanted to do offensively. They put a lot of points and yards and plays up.
1: At Boise State, UCF was doing a great job of moving the football down the field, just had to settle for a lot of field goals. Was there anything common about why the drives couldn't continue towards the end zone and punch it in and had to settle for field goals?
4: Yeah, uh, crazy interceptions that are hard to explain. Uh, John Rice Plumley hits a uh, uh, Kobe Hudson a perfect slant that goes to the three yard line or in the end zone, and it comes off his chest. It's picked off. Uh, Javon Baker uh, runs a great route. Plumley hits him in the end zone. It goes through his hands and falls into the hands of a Boise State defensive back. So there's two plays that likely are touchdowns. There's a touchdown. so the fourth and one that one of your linemen. Misses uh, their assignment on a block, and they stop you on fourth and one on a drive that you may have scored a touchdown, a kick, a field goal, taking nothing away from Boise and their defense. It was a close football game, a hard fought game. UCF probably feels like they left 17 points out there that uh, you know would have led to more points. So they did put up yards. Those three drives ended uh, that way. They were fortunate. That kicker Colton Boomer had a big night, uh, but sometimes you got to win games that happens like that, I think that's where UCF feels like, look, tough environment, good opponent found a way to win when a lot of things weren't going your way that night.
1: UCF play-by-play voice Mark Daniels is our guest. Now switching over to the defensive side of the football, you know you're holding Boise State to you know under 20 points and only have only given up four touchdowns on the year less than 300 yards a game has given up. But I remember when we talked in the preseason, you, know, you were want to see the defense be better against the run, secondary force more turnovers, and just guys like like linebacker Jason Johnson, edge guy Trayvon Morse Brash, just continue to do their thing, continue their momentum from last year into this year. How many of those boxes do you think have been checked so far by the UCF defense?
4: Well, I think that they played well through three games. Again, now is when their tests will begin uh, in this game and then the rest of the conference schedule. I think UCS defense is pretty good. They've got you know a couple of really good ends. And Trayvon Morris, Rash, Josh Sellistar. Lee Hunter is a guy that, that transferred uh, from Auburn where Gus had recruited him. Last year I said that he was a big guy that played football. I don't think he was in the best shape he could have been. Now Lee Hunter is a football player that's big. He has uh, lost some weight, he's uh, uh, picked up his speed, and he is a force. I mean, he he can take on a double team, so he he really helps. And then Ricky Barber, who didn't play last week with an injury, he's back, and he's a a three-year starter. So I think the line's done a really good job. Um, The linebacker spot, Jason Johnson, is really good. They've got some other guys that have played well, but I think we'll find some challenges in, in the weeks ahead. UCF Secondary has done a good job by playing a lot of people. They've got a few guys picked up with a secondary in these first three games, and a mix of some veterans and transfers that even a true freshman, Brad Marshall, um, has played some nickel. Uh, so they've done a good job. Again, they haven't been tested by a, 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 a deep threat passing game where someone's tried to go vertical on them a lot, uh, whether that happens in this game or, or not, but I think that's still a challenge that, that waits out there. Where they've done a good job is, they they put teams in third and long uh, in key situations. Even against teams like Kent State and Villanova to try to take control of the game early, they were able to get some pressure and put them in third and long where you kind of have an idea how to defend them. But uh, they'll face some quality passing attacks of the conference schedule. And that's where I think, uh, you know, we'll see if that secondary can step up. But I like their defensive front
1: right now. I got a couple more for you here, Mark. Uh, Going to special teams, K-State, of course, fans had its heart ripped out in Columbia, Missouri, with you know both teams trying to lose that game. And Mizzou wins it on the longest field goal in SEC history, 61 yards. I noticed your sophomore kicker, Colton Boomer, has made all of his kicks so far. Is his last name a, a fitting name of how strong his leg is?
4: Yeah, it's a great story. Colton actually never missed a kick in two years. The statute shows he missed one last year, uh, and the ball wasn't supposed to be snapped. We were trying to draw somebody offside, and the ball was snapped, and he wasn't prepared for it, and that's his only miss. So he hasn't missed it in uh, two years. great story of a kid under-recruited a couple of years ago he Was a soccer player played football, uh, went to a, 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 a kicking uh, camp, and uh, that's where UCF had somebody recognized him and um, walked on, and it's been a really good story. Uh, had the four field goals against Boise State, Titus Greco with a 55-yarder, had the walk-off 40-yarder uh, to win it, has handled kickoffs uh, well. So um, his name fits. He's been uh, good. Uh, and, you know, UCF, I think, feels comfortable in calling upon a uh, uh, Colton Boomer. You know, I don't know if you want to ask 55 yards, but I think they feel good in that you know 40- to 48-yard range of setting him out there.
1: Well, Mark, to wrap up, um, I'm sure UCF fans are excited for this first game in Big 12 play, and they play against the K-State Wildcats, who hosted the first ever Big 12 game back in 1996 against Texas Tech. But, you know, I don't know about how well UCF fans travel. Are they excited for the road trip? Should we expect a, a lot of Knights fans up in Manhattan for this game?
4: Well, it's expected it a of people at Boise, which uh, I was surprised how well people traveled. I think it may have been a combination of You know the blue turf and unique, and and, and likely the only time uh, we're going out there. Um, I think we'll have some fans that travel. I I think UCF fans will look at the schedule and try to identify places uh, uh, to go. I know obviously Norman, we've got a large contingent going. I'm sure we'll have a decent crowd that goes out there. You know, this is it's a historic game for UCF in the sense of their first Big 12 game. I've been blessed to do this for 29 years at UCF, so to think of the days as a one AA independent. Uh, out playing in the Big 12, it's a, it's a great journey. Uh, there's tremendous respect for Kansas State's program. 2010, I was there for the famed weather delay, and, <laughs> you know, UCF should have won that game. Kansas State got a great drive to win it in the final seconds with a touchdown, and UCF uh, certainly played well enough to win. So no, the you know the great crowd in Manhattan, uh, uh, the passion, the loyalty they have for Kansas State. Uh, I know Gus Alzada has great respect for the program, uh, Coach Kleiman. They know that uh, Kansas State is traditionally known as a hard, uh, tough physical football team, discipline. So they know they've got their hands full. Whatever bumps and bruises Kansas State has, there's talent on that team. I think they're excited about the opportunity to go and play and begin a conference schedule in what should be an exciting Big 12 year for UCF and the league itself.
1: Well, I thought it was fitting back on Tuesday with this game against UCF played Saturday that there was a big storm cloud over the stadium as we walked in for the press conferences and uh, maybe a little bit of rain in the forecast, but it should be a fun Saturday night matchup in Big 12 play, K-State and UCF. Mark, really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this again and safe travels to Manhattan. Thank
4: you very much. Take care
1: now. Once again, Mark Daniels, play-by-play voice of the UCF Knights, making his second trip to Manhattan. Of course, the only time case in ucf have ever played 2010 when that storm cloud rolled in like it was independence day i've been getting were you guys ever like gifted that picture for anything i was gifted a picture of that one time really twice twice yeah and uh man you
2: know i remember we were just kind of talking about x uh i remember after yes. that when that game that picture came out People were roasting us. Like whose TVs on top of that scoreboard? (laughs) Because our big screen was so small. And uh, yeah, that was the sky that day was insane. Before that, even it was those like the puffy kind of marshmallow clouds. Man. That was wild.
1: I sat in the student section for that game. Well, I should say before the, uh, the <laughs> delay. Yeah. And then I'm like, we're like, we're gonna stick through it. It's gonna pour on us, but we're gonna stay here. And it poured. And then we're like, okay, this kind of sucks. Yeah, right. We, we end up leaving. Like I yeah. couldn't actually talk him into staying. Let's like dry off and then go back in. <laughs> <laughs> no, they didn't want to. I
2: was like, "Well, crap." The one, the the water is like rushing down the stairs. You know, like yeah. that you're like, okay, oh. let's go home. <laughs>
1: uh, hour number two, we're going to be joined by Curry Sexton, Mitch in Vegas, of course, in hour number two as well. But when we come back, it's another round of blindly ranked five, and it has to do with UCF. That's coming up next on the game. Ooh. We play another round Ooh. of blindly ranked five. DG is going to rank us five. I'm going to get them one at a time. He's got to rank him before he knows what comes next.
2: Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall. And uh, Kiku Alonzo.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I tell you what, our blindly ranked five does have to do with UCF famous alumni. I, uh, I do this for Mitch Palm all oh the time, boy. right, when there's a non-con team. Yeah. You know, part of my prediction is who is their famous alumni. So I'm going to give you five famous alumni, one at a time, and you don't know what's coming next. Okay, okay. Number one is Taco Fall. He was the seven six oh, wow. center who had a cup of coffee in the NBA, like played three minutes a game, but apparently was a real jerk. Yeah. That was always the story about him. He was a real jerk.
2: Yeah, I like it's fun to see somebody that tall, but then it's also like Can't you just stand under the basket and just dunk it? You know what I mean? Like, what's the story? How come you stink? We don't don't need this guy setting screens. Yeah! Get down there by the goal. So, Taco Fall, I'm going to put him at five. A solid five. Good
1: start. You know, he's he's a Taco Fall guy. All right. Taco number five. You got one through four left. Next, Daniel Tosh. The host of Tosh.0. Oh. Wow. Stand-up comedian. Tosh.0 oh has not been on TV since 2020. Yeah. So it, it disappeared when the pandemic began.
2: Dude, um, I used to love that show. Me too. I used to love uh, in college.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was in college when it started, and it took off. It uh, Web- Comedy Central, by the way.
2: I love Web Redemptions. That, that was always it's really, really funny. I love that. Uh, Daniel Tosh is a two for me. That's an easy two.
1: All right, so blindly ranking five UCF famous alumni, Taco Fall at five, Daniel Tosh at two. Taco Fall. Next, (laughs) Drew Butera. Wow. Former former Royals catcher. He caught the last pitch of the 15 World Series from Wade Davis. Oh, my God. Also hit 94 on the mound when he was with the Dodgers. And impeccable hair.
0: (laughs) You remember now, yes.
2: That's that gets you a three, <laughs> and that, you know, back up Salvi. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Drew Butera, fantastic guy. That gets you a three.
1: He's a good three. All right, Daniel Tosh two, Drew Butera three. I mean, I, don't know, I was thinking maybe a one. You know, he was a royal. He was a world champion. Well,
2: you're gonna say something like Yasmin
1: Bleeth, right? <laughs> Taco Fall is five. Uh, fourth on the list is Daniel Myrick. Well, there's a lot of confusion here. Let me tell you about this guy. Uh-oh. He's known for one thing. He was the writer and director of the Blair Witch Project. Oh, jeez. Oh, okay. Whoa. Was he in the movie? No, he was not in the movie. But he is, I mean, almost single handedly responsible for a genre of movies. Yeah,
2: he is. And, I mean, how many people copied that, like, Close up with the, the nose running.
1: How <laughs> oh, the parodies I'm so scary! <laughs> Remember when Scary Movie oh yeah did that parody? Oh, what a yeah. wild scene!
0: By the way, I uh, saw an ad for Saw X the other night, oh. My, and Monica's reaction was, "Why?" <laughs> Do I be
2: honest? I love the Saw movies. I, I, I was just gonna say you guys are gonna be. I know you are gonna love it. He's gonna. Well, oh, I it.
1: understand like the criticism, yeah. like the acting and like the storyline, really is not that great. But the actual like torture and traps and stuff, yeah for horror it's pretty dope
2: oh like, that's good okay myrick's a four that's a that's a good but that guy you're right i mean i know now to, when i go into the wilderness if i see a like a, a stack of stones <laughs> i don't mess with it no i, get that, I got it down i, got, I mean Whoa! there's people that
1: like if it's if you see it in a national park and you see a pile of stone like a stack of stones you, you turn around me, hey knock them down people shouldn't be do that no way no, you better watch it. i ain't get no curse uh-uh Oh, uh-uh. it ain't happening. I ain't no Blair Witch curse. Mm-mm. And I think you're going to be happy with your list. Number 1 Dante Culpepper. Oh
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Rolling baby, rolling.
1: <laughs> he was so good for like 3
2: seasons. He was the man. Him I and mean, Randy Moss and Chris Carter, they were good. The Vikings, they were really good.
1: So I'm I'm, I'm sure I think a lot of people would agree with your list. Yeah, UCF famous alumni number one is Dante Culpepper. Two, Daniel Tosh. Three, <laughs> Drew Butera. Four, Myrick. Uh, Daniel Myrick, and then five is Taco Fall. You know, I actually I remember as a kid watching Blair Witch Project mm. and how like it creeped out a lot of people. I loved it. Yeah, me too. If you listen like to the actual sound in the movie. And like it, it gets a lot creepier when you listen closely. Oh, it's nuts. Because there's yeah. a lot you may miss if you don't listen closely. Put it, put it on the surround sound. Ugh. Oh. Uh
2: uh-uh. <laughs> uh. Uh uh. I'm not trying to go there, dude. Now, I, Come I, on, Coverdale. God I, damn I haven't
1: watched it since I was a kid. So does it still. You know, it does holds it stand that. Have you seen it recently? No. <laughs> Have you, Did you know there's a second one? I did know there's. And a, a one. video game? <laughs> video let's, game actually came out a couple of years ago. Dude, let's it's not get very on old. The sticks. Hour two of the game. Mitch in Vegas. Troy's got a bounce, but he gave me his picks. Plus, an interview, of course, with Curry Sexton will kick off the next hour, and so will your local news. Stick around. Hour two next.